Welcome to today's episode of the Aim For You Ladies podcast, where we focus on self-acceptance, our mindset, and living our best life. I'm your host, Sophia Tuckett. Today, I'm exploring forgiveness, and there is nowhere I'd rather be than here with you and with Renee Lavalle McKenna. She is a therapist and a shamrock healer, and she's going to have a discussion with me today on how we could really move into a place of forgiveness, but not forgetting what has happened to us. Let's get started. Renee, thank you for being here. Sophia, so glad to be here with you. We are jumping into the topic of forgiveness. And before we do that, though, Renee, I want you to just give us a little bit of a background on you what you do, and how you approach what you do. So my name is Renee LaValle McKenna, and I'm an author and spiritual teacher and soul mentor for lots of people all over the world, actually, working with a blend of Buddhism and shamanism, hypnotherapy, and body-centered mindfulness. And it's kind of alternative work that really addresses directly our intuitive, non-rational selves, both which is both where our brilliance and a lot of our suffering resides. Our intellect is usually pretty well developed in the West, but our emotions and our relationality and our spirituality is often where a lot of our wounding. So that's how I help people is to work with that wounding directly. Um, through the processes in my book, Allies and Demons, working with spirit for power and healing. And so I, I do individual sessions and I do groups and I've created this program for people to be able to do self-healing with their own higher self or with God or nature or whatever they use as source because um, we're all connected with source. And so my job is to kind of connect people with their own deepest wisdom and the, and the powers for healing that are available both internally and externally for us. And forgiveness and resentment and victimization um, and empowerment are central to, I think, all of our experience as humans. And so I'm excited to have this conversation today. Yeah, I love what you do. You gave such a good in-depth de- description of it. And my thought here is what have you personally experienced with forgiveness? So I am naturally a very resentful person (laughs) (laughs) and I actually can tend to be fairly vengeful myself because I um, have seen, I I like the idea of if there's higher power, which is what I want to try to connect with now, then there's also lower power. And lower power for me is um, more destructive ways that we try to find power in the world, usually because we don't feel like higher or authentic power is available to us. And so anger and resentment was actually a huge driver for me in my life. And, um, you know, my person, I've had a lot of betrayal and a lot of opportunities to give forgiveness to my ex-husband, um, to my dead parents, particularly, I would say, are the big ones. Although, you know, for me, a lot of it had to do with men um, mm-hmm. and my picker was kind of broken. So I would often pick people that liked to have relationships with people at the same time besides me. Um, 
And yeah, so I've had a lot of fodder for forgiveness in my life. And we can talk more about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. So when you when when you're dealing with forgiveness, how do you get to the point of working through it like to get to the point of forgiveness even if it's betrayal like if there's a listener out there that's faced betrayal what tips could you you know share with us maybe just one or two tips that would support a listener on moving past or moving through this to get to the point of forgiveness well I think that for me, forgiveness has been a very grace-filled process, and it really is a process. And a lot of times, for me, I know, and for other people that I work with, there is a desire to kind of skip over the personal growth work and jump from resentment to forgiveness. And that's kind of like planting a sapling and hoping it's going to bear a whole basket of apples the first season. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so for me, there really is like a multi-step process, kind of like they talk about in the grief process. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talks about the stages of grief. And I think there's probably stages of forgiveness as well. Mm-hmm. And actually grief is probably the first big stage, which is am I willing or able to let go of the ideas that I have about myself and the ideas I have about this person and the relationship. Because if there's been a betrayal, then it really is calling a new configuration into being because the old way um, is a bit of a fantasy now. And so there's often a loss involved in that of who I think the person is, how I think they should treat me, what my relationship is to that relationship. And first I have to be willing to let go of that old way before I can come into a new one. So being willing to grieve and move into the sadness that's underneath the anger is the more vulnerable place, but that's usually where the real shift happens. So um, it's not butterflies and flowers, but it's really, I think the first thing, the first tip I would give people is to get vulnerable and really grieve. Yeah. And when you had said let go, like, you know, letting go of the idea of what was and standing in what is the situation, the reality of where you are in the relationship, uh, may it be a partner or even with your parents, I think that's the, the biggest part, you know, like embracing that the change you're sitting in you have to accept. So coming to acceptance, so acceptance, like forgiveness, it's, you know, it's a state of being rather than an attitude. I mean, we can attempt to come to that attitude, but it's much more of a body felt experience when I'm really in acceptance because mm. I can pretend I'm in acceptance and I can act like I'm forgiving and still have like pain and resentment and victimization in my heart. So accepting really starts with where I am right now and accepting myself and my feelings. And that's the first place for me is to really turn the compassion toward myself 
and actually look at if I need to come to acceptance, then that means I'm in non-acceptance. And so looking deeply at what I'm not accepting, what feels unacceptable to me, what is it? And usually with an acceptance is attachment. And so what am I attached to, which kind of brings back to the grief idea. You know, I'm attached to the idea of how this relationship should, it's usually has a lot of shoulds in it. Mm -hmm. How this person should treat me, how this relationship should be. This is what, you know, I mean, so whenever there's shoulds, there's some attachment to something that's not actually happening. And that's what needs to be let go of to come into an acceptance of what is. And that can often, again, there's often a lot of sadness and loss in that fantasy idea um, or the agreed upon idea of how this relationship, quote unquote, should Should, be and being able to be with the more, usually more deep and um, dynamic relationship of what actually is. Mm -hmm. You've said so many great things there. Now, when I feel like all of us as adults go through a phase of having to come to a space of forgiveness with our parents, right? In some shape or form or another. And I went through this. Um, I haven't gone through it yet with my dad, but I've definitely gone through this with my mother. And it was very interesting. So because our parents literally just do the best they can at the time and all their sense of you know, what's best for their children. How do you, as adults, or how would you, you know, what would you give advice um, in regards to moving towards forgiveness with our parents? So that, it's so interesting because I have teenagers right now. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so it's very very present. Wondering how that's going to be for them to have me as their mother. But um, as adults, you know, it's just an interesting thing. So that's been a really long, slow process for me. And it's really unique to each person because I, you know, I have clients and people in my life who've really had horrific experiences. Um, I think of, I think of my friend Wanda uh, whose mother continues to be a crack addict and she continues and Wanda's super high functioning. She has to support her mother. They grew up in a house where there was often no, they had to have electricity because they were running an extension cord from a neighbor's house and the water, the heat was getting shut off. And Wanda was the mother of her little sister who, um, she made sure they got to school and Wanda's super high functioning. Um, and her mother's still a train wreck. And, and Wanda has like nothing but love and compassion for her mom. And, you know, my mother was home every day, smoking her Lucky Strike cigarettes, reading her Reader's Digest condensed books very quietly in the kitchen and had very little interaction with me. But, you know, there was always some food on the table and I I always had clothes to wear, even if they weren't clothes that I liked, right? But, um, and... It's just so interesting how each of us has a unique relationship with compassion, understanding, and forgiveness of our parents. And I had tremendous resentment toward my mother. Um, and she, to me, 
we had actually, uh, you know, I, my mother died about 14 years ago and we never resolved our relationship. Um, I tried many times, you know, as best I could and, um, and she did the best she could and it was just never good enough. So a lot of my forgiveness for my mother has come after her death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that remains a very present relationship with me as I continue to grow older and hopefully wiser and move through some of the experiences that um, I resented her for then I actually understand her more just as an adult woman. And it's, it's been a very educational variety for me in that relationship Um, of also having some weird serendipities where like, I've actually had the opportunity to kind of repeat some of the things my mother did that I had a lot of judgment for her about, which will really humble you, but (laughs) (laughs) I bet. (laughs) And be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now, you know, I can't throw stones because I'm in a glass house. Like, oh, I get it now. The way that I read the the situation and took things personally. Yes. That's probably the biggest thing, I think, is if there is like a key tip toward a highway or a shortcut to forgiveness is take nothing personally. Yeah. Yeah. That comes out of... The four agreements. Yes, you took it right out of my but, mouth. Yeah. Right. And I that's the only agreement I can ever remember. I don't remember the, do everything really well. I think that I can never remember the other. Yeah. So <laughs> but, it's you're right. So do your best. You're right. Do your best. Take nothing personally. Um, the other one is um be impeccable with your word. Right. Right. So if you're speaking, yeah. if you're even saying, I'm going to run today, do it, right? Stand by your yeah. word. And the last one is uh, non-judgment. Right. Yeah. Non-judgment, I think, is very interesting because when, you, when you're sitting in a space where you need to forgive, you are sitting in a space of um, judgment too. Yes. Right? So like, I think both of those things, the taking, and for me, a lot of times... If I need to forgive, there feels like there's something, if it's personal. I mean, if it's some general thing like forgiving a politician or forgiving people that aren't actually involved with me personally, then it definitely has to do with judgment. Yeah. But um, but the more difficult ones for me, but I'm not a really judgmental person. I suppose maybe that's different for different people. Those two things of not taking things personally and moving out of judgment into compassion that's or understanding i think those are the two keys to forgiveness Mm -hmm. for me and i don't know so remember we did that uh live on instagram and i was talking about acceptance yes um i i feel that when and if you can come to a place of acceptance for yourself right it's not even for the individual you're trying to forgive but accept the negative and all of the baggage that you are experiencing without judgment, then you could really get into that space of forgiveness. Well, that's where forgiveness really calls us to grow Yeah, in our own vulnerability and our own humanity. Because 
when people, I don't know if you're familiar with the term spiritual bypass. No, tell me more. So spiritual bypass, I kind of referred to it earlier. That's when we want to jump from anger or victimization right to forgiveness. Okay. And skip the kind of composting work. I like the idea of garbage turns into compost, (laughs) but it takes time for that to happen. right? Right. And so spiritual bypass is when we want to move right from hatred into love, like Bring mm-hmm. magically, we want to skip that more difficult work of again, like the grief, the acceptance, looking at our own unresolved emotional issues or our own lower self or shadow. Um, because we all have it, we all have lower motives, and we all have judgment, we all have hatred, we all have selfishness and fear those things exist in all humans. And it's often very interesting. And this is where my mother remains one of my greatest teachers is that the things that I most judged my mother for were the things I disowned about myself. Mm, Isn't that interesting? Yes. And so, you know, in Jungian psychology, in Jungian psychology, Carl Jung was a student of Freud. They had a bad falling out and then Jung went on to create a really great method of looking at our transpersonal and spiritual aspects of ourselves. And he talked a lot about shadow and that we all, you know, all, I like the idea, all light casts a shadow Mm -hmm. in in this plane of existence that there's no person that's all good. And a lot of times, we want to just be all good and not look at our shadow. And if we disown parts of ourselves, we will always project them out onto other people. Yeah. Um, and so when we can own those parts of ourselves, own our own humanity, then it makes it much, much easier for us to have actual forgiveness. So coming to forgiveness isn't about being better than the other person. That's the spiritual bypass. Like I'm going to take the higher road. And I mean, certainly, you know, it may be in, like I think about one time I was on the street and there was a man asked me for some money. And so I pulled out my wallet to give him money and I was going to give him a dollar and a $5 bill flipped out of my wallet and landed on the street. And, he, and we looked at each other for a minute and he bent down quick and picked it up. And I said, you should give me that $5 back because I was going to give you one. And he just shook his head and he walked away. Mm. And I thought to myself, and I got mad, right? <laughs> <laughs> Because it was, because it was like, wait a minute, I was going to help you, and now you kind of robbed me, a bit, right? And um, and but I, I could see as I thought about it after. Now this was a small interaction. I've never seen this person again, right? Yeah. But it was a small interaction, and I thought that person's lack of integrity is actually part of the reason that they're homeless, mm. right? Like they aren't living. They aren't exchanging with the world in a way that's in integrity. Yes. Right. They're they're trying to steal. And I used to be a thief. So I know what it's like to think I need, when I think I need to steal to get what I want, I'll never actually feel worthy to receive. And so it was actually pretty easy for me to God bless him. Mm -hmm. Whatever, $5, I'm over it. And um, I mean, it took a minute for me to like 
come to compassion and understanding for him. But those things are much easier than, and I also, but even in that process, like I had to think to myself, geez, you know, I have stolen things in my life. And so, you know, I'm not better than that person, even though I don't do that today. Right. Like I do, I do understand that, that mentality of unworthiness mm-hmm. and, um, and that, and that's a very sad and tragic thing to feel unworthy in that way. So, but it's harder to come to that with, you know, if you've been in a relationship with somebody and then you find out that they've been cheating on you for months, or, you know, if you're in a work circumstance and, and you get passed over for a promotion and you find out there was some back deal happening because your boss actually doesn't like you and they want the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like those deeper, longer term betrayals are much harder to not take personally. Yes. Than, than, you know, my five second interaction with the homeless guy on Market Street. Well, that's the thing, right? So with forgiveness, and that's a great example, you know, betrayal, facing betrayal with a partner, let's say even like 20 years. I've, you know, dealt with clients that are just like 20 years deep, and then they're facing betrayal it's like how do you not it's like how can you bring yourself to not take anything personally to go back to those four agreements even you know how what's like how what mindset do you need to be in to really embrace that do you have any answer for me (laughs) i do actually because that's my work right yeah we are here to grow and evolve That's my belief of why we are here. We are part of the larger consciousness system, which is itself evolving and it wants us to evolve. And because we're part of it, our evolution helps God evolve. I think it's all an interactive, we're parts of God and everything's evolving and expanding. That's what science tells us. And it's certainly from the primordial ooze to where we are now with the complexity and abundance of life on earth. Like it's obvious, right? We're growing in complexity. So we do that in our individual lives and everything is the hard thing about life is that everything's impermanent and everything is always in change. And that is really can be terrifying and disorienting or it can be exciting and adventurous Mm -hmm. and interesting, right? Depending on our perspective. Um, but, you know, there's a couple, so that's one kind of spiritual law is that everything is in change and how I orient to that change really determines the quality of my experience. Trying to stop the change, that's where I get into a lot of suffering. That's where like the attachment and the grieving to be willing to accept what is comes in. Um, the other spiritual law is that Nothing happens in our life by coincidence. I know. Yeah. Right. Particularly in long-term relationship. Like the people that we choose in our life, it is not a coincidence. And it can be very, very hard to take responsibility for those choices. And that can feel really radical. Not that I'm responsible if my husband wants to have an affair with his secretary that's not I'm not necessarily responsible for that although but what is what does this have to show me about myself 
what's what's happening in this relationship that this dynamic, especially if, if there's going to be, um, if we're going to talk about like that kind of betrayal, right? Yeah. Like where uh, the, the big question is, to, before I go into the weeds with all that is, <laughs> where am I being called to grow? Yeah. That's really the question. And I think that's the hard part when we feel wronged by someone else, that it's like, well, they're the one that needs to grow. Right. But if I'm suffering, I need to grow because pain is always information oh. that change being called for. Yeah. Great reminder there. That's something that... I think so many of us forget or we just don't even realize, right? So it's just like, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this? What am I supposed to take from this? But it's like that finger pointing we get into. Um, well, there's the thing, you know, they say whenever you're pointing your finger out, there's three fingers pointing back at you. It's so true. I mean, the good news, so that can be very hard, particularly if you're involved with a narcissist or a nefarious person. And, and I've, I've had both of those. <laughs> Um, but I picked that person and again, in a, not in a judgmental way toward myself, but like, what is that about? Like what drew me to that? And, and again, elevating consciousness from what's often kind of lower fear-based or even unconsciously destructive motives um, toward myself or feeling unworthy of things that are better or whatever, like those are the things that need to be healed in me. Mm-hmm. And, and there's always, that is the, that's the work that spiritual bypass wants to skip over. Yes. Which is to look at our own shadow yes. and the responsibility. Again, I'm not responsible if someone steals from me. Like, I didn't make them do that, right? But the fact that that's in my psychic space and how I orient toward it, that's my work. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what, Renee? I'm not sure why this is coming up for me right now, but I'm going to ask. So you've heard of the saying, you know, woman naturally marry men that are like their dads have you heard of that yes what is that about and yeah just what is that about do you think and is there truth to that um so it's not a hundred percent for sure of course that's not. not like a, that's not a dictate that applies to all people across all time absolutely for sure. not for is sure it, is it a phenomenon yes yeah people also marry people that are like their mother um People also marry people that are the opposite of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's, it's fascinating to look. Uh, there's a lot there. If, if we look, there's a lot more going on. Yeah. Life. What it's, is it going on there? <laughs> <laughs> like, I really want to understand but it. I think on the simplest level, yeah. um, you know, I think on the simplest level or, or probably the most general thing is that in intimate relationship, we have an opportunity to heal our unresolved emotional issues. And life gives us these opportunities over and over again that we will often repeat patterns in our life, both constructive and destructive. And if we can be really present and mindful about the dynamics that are happening in our experience in it and the choices we make and how we act 
and behave, then we can actually heal those deeper and unresolved emotional things that often keep us stuck in our own evolution, right? So becoming my best, most authentic, mature self, I think is the goal. Um, most of us don't reach that, but even if it's a goal to be reached, I think it's a thing that continues to evolve, but whatever unresolved things we have, whatever shadow, um, we have un underlying that we're not paying attention to or lower, um, unhealed, underdeveloped, you know, the more, again, fear, hatred, selfishness, unworthiness, like those things that really drive us. Um, those things will, that were often kind of catalyzed in childhood in our relationships, the needs that didn't get met or, or the dysfunctional dynamics that happened, um, that formed us, the ones that are destructive, we will often, well, not even just destructive. We're talking about the destructive ones right now, of course, because those are the ones that are painful, is that we will often be drawn to that again. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives us, for me, I think that that's a natural, we do tend to go toward what's familiar, but I think on a deeper, on a soul level, uh, intimate relationship particularly is always an opportunity to grow and heal and change and so the idea of like if i you know i did my first husband was ridiculous I, he was a pathological liar and, and he couldn't stay sober and he's actually dead now and um another one of my great teachers he was like all he was like the worst characteristics of my father on steroids mm. and, and it was like how did i pick this one other people had wanted to marry me <laughs> you know why did I pick this one like of all of those other nice guys right I picked that one yeah that was like whoa what was that about after I got through hating on him and bankruptcy court um <laughs> I <laughs> I had to really look at like how did I pick him and really coming to the deeper dynamics um within myself that, you know, for me, I wanted to save him. I hoped if I loved him enough, I could heal him. I was trying um, to get the love that I didn't get from my father, from this person who was also incapable of giving me love. Like I was drawn back into that dynamic. Once we get conscious about something, we don't have to do it anymore. It's so true because honestly, with my ex, I remember after finding out he cheated on me, I was like, how? Like, what am I miss? Like, how did I miss this? And at, like sitting and reflecting, I was literally like, this man is like my dad. Like, if I stay, I'm not going to ha be happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, he had so many qualities like my dad. And it was interesting to just bring that level of awareness to be like, I can never be even remotely close to a man like this again. Like, I will not accept it in any way, shape or form. And it's so true. If that awareness is there, you won't go through that path, go down that road again. But I'm going to imagine that that actually took like forgiveness of yourself. Oh, yeah. Right. To acknowledge like your own humanity in making this very understandable, but, you know, um, not something we're proud of choice. Yeah. There's a lot of humility is also a really big ingredient in authentic forgiveness 
is our own humility with our own humanity. Yeah. And just getting vulnerable with yourself and just owning it, right? Right. None because of this stepping. You say, I mean, like my ex, like I'm sure, you know, there's plenty wrong with this guy that we can point to and tell our girlfriends and everybody will feel bad for us. But and elevate us and we're better than them and blah. Right. But that's actually not forgiveness. That's pride. Yeah, prideful. I get it. You're so right. And real forgiveness is not prideful or ego-based. Real yeah. forgiveness is heart-opening. And it, it's also, you know, again, we have talked about the idea of forgiving and forgetting. And it's not about forgetting. In fact, if we come into genuine forgiveness, which is the compassion, which is the real conscious understanding. And like you said, I will never be with a man like this again. Yeah. Like that. And the same thing's true for me with, with my first husband. I mean, and we had like, like the attraction, the physical attraction, the passion between us was incredible. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, that I thought that was love. And, um, and it was actually very destructive. Like, but and now if I ever feel that kind of a draw toward anybody, I literally like back away slowly. It's like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, this is a sign. I, right. This is, this is, this guy, this is like heroin or something, right? I'm going to back away from this person. So I think um, coming into that more heart opening space actually makes us bigger. It makes us stronger. It makes us wiser. Whereas if we do this again, spiritual bypass and just try to jump over this deeper, more humiliating work of coming to our own humility. Uh, and once we come to humility, we aren't humiliated anymore. Um, we're just more heart open. Then we actually don't forget. Then we actually won't be drawn into that bad situation again, because we have this different level of self-love yeah. and self, self-acceptance um, and more room for our own humanity and care for ourselves in a deeper, more um, flexible way. I love that. Renee, you're amazing. I love what you do. I appreciate you on so many levels. You don't even know. Renee and I have been um, connected since October of 2021. Um, we kind of just fell into each other in a sense of you know, um, friendship, mentorship, accountability. And yeah, I love that you are, you know, able to share this space and share your knowledge on forgiveness. And I appreciate your time. Is there any last thoughts you can share with the listeners that you feel would be supportive? So there's an old adage and I think it's very true that forgiveness is a gift that we give to ourselves. It's not the gift that we give to the oppressor or the abuser or the accuser. It is the gift that we give to ourselves. That is that nourishment in the garden of our own soul in turning the garbage into compost so that we can grow our own fruit out of kind of the richness of our own soul substance. Um, and difficulties, just like the garbage, often make us richer, deeper, and stronger. And so, you know, a lot of those things, like if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, are really true. And 
I just want to say right back at you, Sophia. I love our connection. I love the support that we offer each other, that we're both really learning how to bring the the work that we do to other people to help them from our own experience. And um, it's just a joy to be connected to you. Yeah, ditto. Thank you so much again, Renee. And before you go, though, let the listeners know where to find you. Where are you on social media? So I have a podcast, a weekly podcast, Spiritual Psychology, and it's available on most platforms. And you can check me out on Instagram at Renee LaValle McKenna. Um, I have some digital courses. I am on Insight Timer. If you want to, it's a great app that has a lot of free meditations and some courses on there as well. And people can always, if they want to learn more about my mentorship, you can shoot me an email, info at ReneeMcKenna.com. Amazing. Thank you, Renee, for sharing this space with me and coming onto the show today. I will link all of your information in the podcast notes so anyone that is listening can get in touch with you, as well as if you haven't yet done so, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to rate this podcast on wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, hashtag aim the number four letter U ladies until next week, ladies continue to aim for you. Be well.